Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Michigan Avenue Media. A good story is a good story. Hosted by Marsha Casper Cook. Live shows every week with interesting interviews in the entertainment field with writers, producers, directors, and screenwriters. There's also shows about newsworthy topics and group discussions about writing tips to help writers reach success. New to the show are conversations about personal struggles and how to feel good about yourself in today's world. One thing's for sure, it's always a lively conversation and lots of fun. So sit back and enjoy the show. Hi everybody, it's Marsha and we've got a great show today. Uh, we have Eleanor Parker Sapias here and Jack Remick and uh, Russ Spitowski is supposed to be coming in. So we'll see when, if he does, I'll just, you know, he'll just fit right in the conversation. So Jack, Jack lets everybody know who you are. That He's been on the show a lot of times, both you and Eleanor. So you go first, tell everybody what you're doing and what's your new, about your new free master class. It's not new, but you're, now it's on your okay. website, so I, I saw it, right. Okay. You want me to start now, Marcia? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, you're the boss. <laughs> when you're on the well, show, I've you're been, the boss. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I've been oh. writing for a few years, and I have a bunch of books out. And my latest one, well, there are actually two out this year. One is called Pieces, which is not necessarily a book about how to write, but a book about writing by a writer. Writing, it's kind of complex. It's got a lot of stuff in it. The other is a novella called Man Alone, which is kind of uh, in sort of, well, it took a lot out of me to write that book, but it's it's really, I think it's, well, yeah, I like it a lot. And the master class thing is for years I've been doing a, a, a Tuesday afternoon writing group uh, with writers that come and go, and uh, I've recently connected with a publicist uh, named uh, Amanda Heath Stubert and uh, her under her guidance I've learned a lot about the transition from written text to the podcast world and how to get into it so she encouraged me to turn this uh, Tuesday afternoon writing that I do into a master class that could uh, include people who want to write or learn about other things and what they're doing. So I have an opt-in uh, option on my website, uh, jackrimmick.com. Writers can go there and see how to sign up. When you sign up for the master class, uh, you can opt in either to just sit and listen to what goes on. We do it on Zoom, by the way. Or you can... Uh, up to send a couple pages of your writing and join in the critique. And I use the word critique lightly here, Marcia and Ellie, because I, as a writer, really don't know or understand critique because in my mind it's a one-way street. In other words, a writer sends another writer a page and says, what are your ideas, what do you think, and the writer sends back notes. Well, that's sort of one telling the other what to do. So what I've done is develop a technique, I call it interactive rewriting, where I engage the writer in the process itself as we go along, 
using a set of techniques that I've developed through time and working with my writing partner, Bob Ray. So, for example, we talk about uh, story structure style. We talk about left and right-handed sentences. We talk about uh, metaphors for style like rock, gravel, and sand. I talk about speed, depth, and clarity. And so I can't use any one of those things as a process because they're all included as we go. So a writer who is just coming in to try to engage in this will be introduced to a whole new vocabulary, but also a new technique that allows in one fell swoop a writer to get three or four readers immediately with the other attendees going over the text and, and I focus on two things. How does it feel in the mouth, and how does it get into the reader's ear? And, and that sounds kind of abstract, but if you think about it, there are only two ways that an image can get into your brain. Either you read it through your eyes, or you take it in through your ears. And if the language isn't working, and there's a whole bunch of stuff in the way, then the image never goes into the auditory system, and you lose the image. And I know that's kind of you know, long-winded, but basically that's what we'll be doing is hands-on, day-to-day technical rewriting with the idea in mind of uh, taking good writing and making it better. Well, that sounds interesting, and it's free. So I, I have your website and Eleanor's too. I have it right on the show page, so they can just click the link and get into it where you'll find out about the free master class. And then you can sign up Perfect. right from there. Yeah. Yeah. And well, uh, Eleanor? Just, then, oh, wait, I want just, Eleanor to just talk. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, okay. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead, Doug. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Finish. Go ahead. Well, I just, I just wanted to add for people listening that Eleanor has been working with us in this group for a long time. Uh, she, mm-hmm. I should let her go and say this. But, so she has a firsthand idea of what happens in the group. And, and the effect that it has on your writing. And I think that this is the big thing, is how to be an unselfish writer, share what you know, give it away, uh, see what happens when you become sort of a resource base instead of the, the, the hungry guys looking for bucks, you know. Anyway, sorry, I just had to yeah. toss that in there. Ellie. No, no, that's okay. All right, Eleanor, Eleanor and I had a, the conversation. Yes. Eleanor and I had a conversation last night. We did a whole show we could have done for an hour on all different topics. So. <laughs> yeah, we should. So, we should have yeah. taped it. <laughs> no, right, tell I, everybody I about am, yourself. I'm very excited. Yeah, no, I'm very excited. Um, and Jack is is is, is a is a genuous genuous. He's a gen, I was thinking of genuine and generous at the same time. Um, yeah, he's a great teacher. He's he sees things before we even know it's a thing. And I've obviously learned a lot from him to just enjoy the 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 word, the written word, the just putting sentences together and reading them aloud. And that was really key for me was the reading aloud. Um, yeah. You really, you find yourself even stumbling over things that you think, oh, that was a great sentence. And you read it aloud and you're like, oh, boy, can that yeah. be improved? <laughs> so it's, it's, he has some great techniques and it certainly helped me turn my uh, writing around 
Um, he is very inspirational. He's always been inspiring to me. He's a fantastic writer. He's, he's to me. I always describe you, Jack, as he's he's brilliant and he knows he knows what he's talking about. And yes, <laughs> you have so much. We yeah, so much to teach. It's just, it's just um, yeah, we're all sponges <laughs> around well, you. Ellie, yeah, you, know, you right. my new publicist, girl. <laughs> you know, you you know, you're really selling my <laughs> selling me here. I really I like that. So, how about if I sign you up? <laughs> but it, <laughs> gladly. It is yeah. It's always a pleasure. Um, yesterday we had, I think it was a three, maybe three and a half hour uh, session, and. And that was the longest we've that I've had with you and and the and the group, um, and and I was not tired. It was so energizing. I I wrote till probably eleven thirty last night, just really excited because you see things with new eyes each class. And I'm still learning. Um, this is a, I'm I took I was with you since 2020 uh, for about a, a year and a half, two years. And then I took I took a break, and so this is a new group for me, and I'm in, I'm enjoying it very very much. Very talented writer. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you know, well, and, and I, well, the show today the show today was going to be on your cover and the artwork. So, but uh, since Russ is not here, I, Jack, why don't you explain uh, how you met Russ and how you decided on the cover that you? Oh decided. yeah, well that's that's really interesting, Marcia. Mm-hmm. Because you remember Dennis Must, who was on your show, yes. mm-hmm. um, yeah. and Dennis mm-hmm. is uh, speaking of talented writers. You know, Dennis has some mm-hmm. of the most interesting writing out there right now, and uh, he chose to find a way to get a, another artist involved in his writing by having him not only do a cover for each of his books, but to do interior images. And I stopped short of calling them illustrations because the artist that Dennis brought into his system is Russ Spitkovsky, who works through a system called Gutenberg Arts in New Jersey. And Russ has a way of finding in the written image a way to turn it out inside out and bring stuff to it so it becomes not an illustration but in fact, a recreation of the image in visual form. And uh, so I looked at what Russ had done for Dennis's books, and I said, you know, there are a couple things going on here. This guy is creating images based on the input of a few words and letting his unconscious mind distill that and produce these incredibly complex pen and ink drawings. Russ calls them thick ink because he does a monotype first and then he does a a more complex and enriched image that he calls the finished product. And when you look at it, you get a sense that there's something else going on here, that this guy is not a slavish illustrator. This guy is a co-creator of images, and it's so exciting to be in the presence of that Mm. mind. I wish he were here to hear this uh, because I don't know if anyone has ever told him how good he is. Well, and, then you can, uh, both, well, you can send him the link afterwards. He can listen to it, and it's on all the podcasts, you know. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. When I send you the, the finished link, well, we don't. I don't cut. You know, it's just live the show, and I don't cut. You know what anybody says. So uh, that link. Mm-hmm. Can, I, can I say just one more thing before we segue sure. to something else? One of the reasons that Russ, working with Russ intrigued me is I've been really worried about artificial intelligence and its impact on the creative process and what it's supposed to do yeah. and who it's supposed to serve. And so mm-hmm. always before I had had artists do my covers using you know whatever system they chose, it didn't make any difference to me as long as the image you know said something. And I started looking at this, and I said, wait a minute, I'm a man. I have written this book about a man who's lost, and I, I don't want AI to own either the words or the images that are buried in those words. And so I suggested that I go to another artist, a man named Russ Fitkowski, who would then make the image for the book about a man written by a man, and deep in the book on the last page, there's an author drawing by another man, an artist named Larry Crisp. He was on your show once, I think. Oh, yeah, 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 I see, so yes, yes. My whole idea was, you know, is there a way, without being combative or aggressive, to say, wait a minute, AI is not the end of the artistic creativity in fact, it may enhance mm-hmm. it in many ways because it forces us back to the original, back to the source. And if you look at an image that Russ Pitkowski creates, you are in the presence of a unicity, something that is totally unique, has never been before. And the way I see mm-hmm. the AI working now, it's just they've just scraped the skin off of the billions of images and words that other artists have created. They're slamming it together and say, oh, look, we just reinvented the wheel. And I say, no, you didn't. Mm-hmm. You stole that right. from other writers. Yeah, but I think I think what's going to happen is, right, you know, because uh, Eleanor and I were discussing this because I was saying to her, I'm having a show with uh, uh, Stephen Walker and Robert Walker. He's an artist and and his father. They The covers are beautiful. And... Um, Marta Bishop, you know, you know Marta, Marta Moran, but Bishop, you've been on mm-hmm. shows with her. And she, you know, they've been using beautiful covers, but they, you know, I there is some AI in that, you know, um, and it's enhanced, I think, is what we're going to talk about also, because I was kind of, you know, when I, I thought this was unusual, Amazon asked the questions now on I don't know how I got to where I got, but it was one of the questions on Amazon was, did you use AI for anything? So they are, you know, it's going to be a bigger thing than people. You know, you have to be careful, but I think if you use it for enhancements, I think that's going to be, but we're, this is what's happening with the writer's story. I mean, there's so many different things happening now. And for people, you know, in especially what you decided to do, because the the way you write is very intense, and he he really captured your style, right? Which you're not going to well, get from yes. the picture. Right. Well, yeah, I, 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 well, I got a yeah. I had a friend who gave me the chat bot. No, what's it called? The chat GPT. By the way, yeah. I found out that ChatGPT 
is in fact a pun in French because if you say it, chat, chat, GPT means yeah. cat, I farted. Did you know that? <laughs> GPT <laughs> means. <laughs> Not on my list of things I anyway, thought to know. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. So what we have but, is a built-in right, pun, right, right. a pun in joke that makes fun of AI. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know, you know, it's it's going to be, you know, I I had been on a site that I've seen and you can get descriptions and, and tag words and everything. I'm thinking, oh, this is so fabulous. And then I'm thinking, I, then I started really delving into what we're all doing here, you know. And, you know, mm-hmm. this is why we write. You know, I don't want, I don't write like anybody else because I don't, I know a lot of people, unfortunately, out there, they do write like other people and they're looking, you know, I do what I want to do myself, you know, whether, you know, that we're, and all three of us are very, very much like that. We don't look for other people's ideas, but it's going to be a problem. One thing, you know, that writing like other people, you know, the French educational system is very interesting because from very early on in the French system, you are, in fact, taught to imitate other writers in the same way that a painter will go to a museum and copy a painting by a master. And so you, you, mm-hmm. you find that the French writing has huge influences running through it from writers who've gone before. And I don't think, with very few exceptions, that that ultimate creativity is the goal of French writing. In fact, it's more a tradition of writing within a tradition. And in America, what we have done is to emphasize the creative part of it without realizing how much imitation is actually taking place. And I think that what has happened with with AI is that it has simply scraped everything in the known universe, compiled it together, and then made a conglomerate something. And what is missing from AI is the whole point of creativity, which is letting the unconscious mind rearrange the universe and bring it out in a new way. So curiously, I think that American writing is more creative than other writings because it acknowledges the existence of the unconscious mind as part of the process. And that's why a guy like Russ Bitkowski is so important because here's a man who's taking his hands and, in effect, taking visual dictation from his unconscious using the particular sentence or image of the written word to produce an object that we can see and internalize. And we know it is absolutely creative and unique whereas AI is simply always going to be, no matter how they do it, a recreation of something that other people have already done. End of right. Well, yeah. the, the thing I, is, though, I, I, the I, thing I, is, though, you I don't totally write. Agree. I mean, yeah, yeah. There, there's so many things that are changing as we speak, probably. You know, uh, but I do want to talk about a little about artists because I want uh, Eleanor. That's you know, we were talked about this, but I want mm-hmm. Eleanor to talk a little bit about your artwork and how you decided between artwork and how to bring it in with your books and, you know, and your writing skills. Okay. Thank you. Um, I was, I drew constantly as a child. Um, that's, that's the first thing. I mean, I, I drew before I could write and I was, as far as I know, um, I'm the only artist that have pursued it, you know, as a career in my family. Um, and I never, never really asked 
for, which is this is like a therapy thing I worked <laughs> work through because <laughs> I realized that when I was finally introducing color to these, you know, the little drawings I was I was making, I was using my my mother's eyeshadow kit. Wow. And it never occurred to me, isn't that strange? It never occurred yeah, to me yeah. to ask for the proper tools. Um, you know, we had the same little, um, the little watercolor set from school and things like that. But I did encourage my children to draw and paint early on. Yeah. And I was an exhibiting painter of portraits and still life for close to, well, over 25 years. So that's, and that was before I put pen to paper. Um, I had written a few poems here and there, little stories for my kids when they were young. and But the brush at about, I would say, around the 25th year, um, I started to feel limited um, in, in that I, had, I hadn't yet learned the connection between writing the visual art and, and, and the word, the written word. Um, so I thought, well, I thought I had to divorce myself from writing, um, excuse me, from painting to be to write. And in, the, I think it was 2000, I finished a first draft manuscript of my first novel, A Decent Woman. And after I finished the first draft, and it took only six months, so obviously I had a lot to say. I got it out very quickly. Right. Um, I didn't know what I was doing. And then I realized, as I reread and started to, to edit, and by that time I was sending out queries to, uh, I was probably like 100 you know, agents, because I, I thought that that's what I was supposed to do. And I received yeah. eight, eight, seven or eight serious requests for, for, um, for oh, you know, one chapter, two chapters. And I realized that my writing was very similar to my painting and at that time mm. I was not mm. painting loose I was there I was doing portraits which happened to be very like hyper almost hyper realistic um, I there was a likeness that I wanted to capture and when I started reading or rereading a description of a simple table and the contents of the table and what was around I realized I see this in my head I see it. I yes, see it right, like a little, right. like a movie, you know. And so right. I, so that has always been fascinating to me, in that the the there both visual art and and literature or storytelling, they're so complementary, and mm-hmm. they enrich and they inspire each other. Um, they're but they're and they're subjective as well, yeah, because yes. two people can look at the same image. And come away with ten different, totally different and diverse um, right. impressions or, or opinions, and I think that's what's so fascinating with both, because you can do that with the written word. In yes. that, let's say, for example, I I wrote the first book, and and until I read the reviews when it was first published in 2015, 20, yeah, 2015, um, it was published three times. Long story. So I read the reviews and I was yeah, so amen. amazed and they were calling it a feminist mm-hmm. novel of, you know, of uh, the most, you know, important uh, women's fiction in Puerto Rico. And I'm like, wow, it, it never really, it, I didn't 
set out to write a feminist novel. My first poetry connect collection, I didn't set out to write, a, you know, and it is very feminist leaning. And, uh, and, and it's amazing because that's what someone has said. And I thought, wow, you know, it never really connected. I thought I was writing women's fiction, you know, with women of different economic, you know, backgrounds in 1900 Puerto Rico, but I never, I wouldn't have used the word feminist for it. Isn't that funny? So well, it really see, because is. you don't know, right? You don't know what people are thinking when they're reading your books. I mean, any any author, right? You know, when you're reading it, sometimes when you get a review, it's like you go, oh, like even with my children's books, they say, oh, it's inspirational and you know, it's a good values. And when I wrote them, I actually wasn't doing, mm-hmm. you know, it maybe was inside of me what I was thinking, maybe, but it I didn't right. write right. It for that. You know, and so I think what you're saying is probably what a lot of authors face. And you and I have had a conversation which was a very, you know, we we mentioned Jack too because we were thinking about the fact of when we all write, sometimes you're writing Mm -hmm. a a woman character, a, a male character, but sometimes you don't realize certain things till afterwards that what that story really was to you was it a male voice was it a female or what are male readers going to read it or just female and that was part of the subject mm. you know we were talking no, about that, yesterday that, so yeah. jack jack because you write you write very uh you write women really well so yeah, what that's, that's, yeah. that's why we were I, talking about that i get yeah, that question definitely. Well, you know how could i have written uh, gabrielle mm-hmm. and the widow you know that oh that's a woman exactly well you know i i kind of hesitate to comment on that now because it's kind of a touchy thing in the world of appropriation you know like can i really write about being a black person in a white world you know how can i do that Mm -hmm. and what i what i realize you have to do is strip down all the exterior stuff and and get to the internal and the internal being who lives in you, and they're all in us. And that brings me to one of the big things that Ellie, Ellie is talking about, this synergistic interaction between visual and auditory, mm. the written word. Yeah. And yeah. one of the things mm. that, that has to happen, I think, is that the writer has to be not just one character like an actor. Mm. An actor can yeah. get lost mm. in a character and never come back out. Uh, there's been mm-hmm. much talk about Peter Sellers. He actually says, well, I, I don't have a personality. I am everything I've been of the, of the characters. Mm-hmm. And that brings you to the idea that, wait a minute, here I am writing with eight characters in a novel, and are all of them going to be cardboard except the one that I you know, am supposed to be writing about? And I say, no, exactly. as a, as a writer, no, right. I have to be like the method actor times eight. Right. You know, right. I've got to be yeah. all of those people. I've got to feel everything. And if the feeling is universal, if fear, hate, love, desire, lust, if all those things are universal, skin color doesn't matter. Yeah. You, you write to the mm-hmm. deeper part of the character. There's right, a right. I, 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 yes. It's true because it does. It's what's inside that person. It's what's inside that person. 
that you're writing yeah. about. It's just so it's almost like the, it's like you... the human condition. Yeah, it's the human yes. condition as well. I think yes. I think with painting, when I think of painting and writing, um, the similarities are you know we an artist as an artist I I can have a theme I can have you know it can be more experimental I can have a clear plan or you know be a painter which I tend to be as a writer and as a painter actually I'm very similar I don't have a a plan or a set series that I'm working on I have an idea of where I'd like to go but I'm open to the to the to the journey so yeah I don't like to get um pin or what's the word? Um, put in a box. Yeah, that's that can right. be that can be right. very dangerous. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, the, and when you say the, yeah, one of the things that keeps coming up, Ellie, you touched on it on the similarity between writing and painting, and it's very interesting mm. that a screenwriter named George Gallo, who wrote some of the really you know very interesting films in the '90s, I think one called Midnight Run, and there are others. But he happened also to be an impressionist painter, and I read a sentence by him somewhere, and I cannot find it anywhere. He said, I've gradually come to realize that all the arts are interconnected. And he went on to talk about mm-hmm. how words are like colors and painting and this and that. Mm-hmm. I wish I could find it because it, it just corroborates what you as an individual artist discovered on your own by yeah. studying the mm-hmm. process you saw how similar they are yeah. to one another. And if you ever can yeah. do, I've done a search a dozen times for that George Gallo quote, and I can't find it, but it just demonstrates exactly what we're talking about here. You cannot be right. afraid that you will be, oh, you've appropriated somebody else's culture. Nonsense. Right. It's human. Mm-hmm. You know, and we right. feel those mm-hmm. things. Right, and that's true. You know, and Ellie, when yeah. you said, is, sure. you know, that you see it, like when I write, I'm yeah. in that room with the people mm. talking because I do write screenplays. So that's how I write. I'm I don't write. Sure. I don't write very descript in my, you know, in the text. I do write. I do. My dialogue mm-hmm. is the about the people. And so for me, yeah. I like mm-hmm. if I'm at a dinner table writing, which a lot of times I am. The dinner tables with my characters. I'm right there with them. So if they're Good. talking, oh, yeah. I am all with them. Mm. I could have ten people at a table, but I'm there with all of them. And but yeah, well, Marcia, you're, take, you're just taking dictation from your characters. <laughs> that's really yes. that's really the perfect <laughs> way to talk. do it. Listen they to what talk. they say. <laughs> I do, yeah, and they a have channel. a conversation. <laughs> that's what and I say. <laughs> for me, for me, none of them have the same. They do not talk the same. They're all different. And so yeah. when I'm sitting there, yeah. they're all different people. Mm-hmm. And so I get my, my stories are basically dialogue because that's how I do it from mm-hmm. screenwriting. So everybody has their yeah. own, you know, mm-hmm. a way of yeah. writing and mm-hmm. seeing what they see. And then when you get mm-hmm. reviews, then you see mm-hmm. sometimes what they, they see what you've seen. And that's what, every, you mm-hmm. know, when you get a review, which you both – because you get really good reviews. And when you get a review that they're explaining about your character, whatever you're doing, it's the best right. thing because you mm-hmm. know that they got what you said in yeah. your story. Yeah, you know? they connected. They connected yes. with the, yes. yeah. When when one of my, one, I remember a couple of reviews and, and they stand out because I was so touched. They said, I wish Anna were my best 
friend, and that's my the oh, heroine that's of great. the book. That's and I great. thought, see, that's wow. great. That's really wow. great. That's great. Yes, I love that. That they that's miss really her. Like they, yeah. yeah, like they missed her. Or they missed her like a friend. You know, like yeah. I wish you would write the second book. And I thought, oh my god. I was just, that was just an experiment to see if I could, no one told me I couldn't write a book, but now that I've written the first one and the poetry, now I know how hard it is. <laughs> I need to go back yeah. to the experimental, <laughs> which is what I enjoy. That's why I enjoy being in Jack's group because it's it's very open and and it is experimental because I'm learning new ways to do things and honing my craft and he's very yeah, he's respectful. You know, if, if it's you know he, the farther, the farther you can go from the norm, I think Jack likes that the best. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah and yeah. I think a lot of writers do write that way. And you know, I think sometimes you know that's why every book that's out there has you know a lot of writers. You know, you don't have one specific audience you could have a few you know audience different audience you could have female males you could have whatever you know whatever type you know it doesn't matter you know as you're saying what race religion Mm -hmm. it's just it's something similar that people can pick up on and say oh i know that person well but at the same time marcia there's a there's a problem there see the the problem Mm -hmm. is that so many people and i'm going to use a metaphor that i talk to my other writers about because I don't want to go out on an expedition and bring back another Roman coin. Every museum in the world mm-hmm. is filled with Roman coins that other people have yeah. brought back. What I want right. to do is go out there and bring something new to add to the inventory that constitutes right. the human contribution to civilization. In other words, I don't want to repeat it. Now, I know that genre writing is all about giving people what they know and what they want. You know, well, right. I'm on a different. Mm-hmm. I'm on a different trip there. Dennis is on a different way, right. and Ellie, yeah. with her problem of a feminist novel, is also on yeah. another trip. She wasn't aware of writing mm-hmm. a decent woman as a feminist novel. Is right. it a historical novel? In my review, I said, well, the minute you write it, it's a historical novel. It's about a time that's passed, yeah. unless you're too. So the yeah. issue here, I think, is the writer has to decide between giving the readers what they expect and want and giving them something Mm -hmm. new that they've never seen before in hopes that that will open them up to a whole new vision of what it means to be human. And I'm finding that to be more and more difficult the older I get because there's so many things. It is true. Yeah. Yeah, it is true. I think not only only do we – I mean – I think as as a writer and, and I paint and and do collage pieces on the side and that's when they relax me or they you know they challenge me just like a crossword puzzle it's just that it's right now it's not my career I mean I, I choose writing for now but I still have my fingers in in um, in art because I want to remind myself how exciting it is and how the journey oh, yeah. is it's, yes. it's creativity yeah. and if I'm just you know there nine to five sitting on my you know in my writing chair and forcing the issue and I, you need to there you lose the creativity part and the excitement and the passion and and I, yes I want to convey certain things and feelings and moods to my 
audience or to my, you know, viewers of art, but I want to be surprised too. <laughs> but, you know, I Ellen, you know Eleanor, you know, when I, you sent me the pictures that you, your artwork. So while you're talking mm-hmm. right now, I'm thinking, why, if you had some more of those type pictures, why don't you make mm-hmm. a book up of those pictures and the feelings? You can write a description of your feelings or maybe a poem or something under each one because that mm-hmm. I think that would be great. I mean, because that would be getting both of your talents together. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that, That's really, funny. that really gets to the idea of what Gala was talking about. All the arts are interconnected. So you could actually, yeah. if, you, if you looked at it seriously, you could see that Ellie brings to the written word her visual possibilities. And in her visual possibilities, she finds also access or roadway to the written word. So they are, yeah. in fact, feeding exactly. on one another. Were she to compile Absolutely. a book of her drawings and her, her writings, which her poetry is mm. extremely visual as well as being psychological. And that would be, that would be would, I was just thinking, a, I was just thinking of poetry. Yeah. It would be a beautiful yep, coffee table book and a, a really good gift for people, you know, when they, because people buy those mm. coffee table books, you know, and it would be a really good Super idea because I think you could get a lot of happiness from doing that because you'd be yeah. showing I think, I think off, that's showing a good yourself. idea. Thank you. No, I agree. I yeah. agree, and I think sometimes yeah. I mean, it's because art is subjective. You, I, I tend to like in my gut. I'm thinking, well, I don't want to tell them how to interpret it, but I think as as a book of um, uh, almost like a journal, like this is yeah. this this led me like this painting led me to this yeah, piece well, of right. writing or this poem, because in each collage. Um, and if you look at them, if you, I mean, they're very small thumbnail, you know, thumb, what do they call it in English, thumbnail size. Um, yeah. It's very hard to see the detail, but if you look closely, I'm using the written word in that I've taken um, uh, Persian and Indian newspapers, and I've put, put I've, I've pasted the, the words and then the image is kind of on top, but that they're still showing. So that that would never have happened until I started writing and started thinking of story, and and what is said, what is not said, and so they, they the work became more. Um, what's the word I'm trying to find? Because I actually never thought of this till just now. <laughs> Um, more mysterious, more mysterious. I think more interesting, more uh, yeah, more visual. Like what? Like curious. It's, it, it makes me curious right. to look at it and say, well, you know, what does that say? Even though I don't speak Persian or um, any any uh, languages other than Spanish and English, a little French. Um, I, I find that really interesting. That if I had not written, I wouldn't have discovered or wouldn't have thought to put writing in the collages because they were simply symbols and images that now now they're actually merged. And that just occurred to so me. you can connect them, right, <laughs> and people would connect. And I think, look, I think, you know, the market right now for 
so many different types of books. It's wonderful. It was it's very different than it was in the past. Years yeah. ago, Jack, you know this. Years ago, yeah, you, you could have had yeah. a beautiful yeah. story and you could not have independently published it. There was no such a thing. I mean, people just didn't do that. And then all mm-hmm. of those books, those art, beautiful pictures, whatever people had, were in the drawers. And so now they yeah. can take them out and create them because they're they can develop their own audience. With the right yeah. PR, yeah. you know, getting out there, yeah. you can, people can do it because it, keeping it inside, that's what I did with my screenplays. I brought my characters out in a book. If they, even though they were, <laughs> right, you know, they were optioned and they didn't get to be made as movies, but then I'm thinking, well, I'm using them. And I use awesome. the characters from them. But not all, not really yeah. the story per se. They changed so many times, mm-hmm. but... Because when I started writing them, they became really real and just so much more depth in them. And so that's what I did. So people, if you're listening out there, take your work out of your drawers that you put them in from before and start putting them out there for people because it doesn't, in a drawer, it does nothing. You know, and and with the right publisher or with the right independent publisher helping you and right PR, you Mm -hmm. can get a lot of you know, accomplished that way. And the books will be out there because they're going to be out forever. None of us have control no. anymore yeah. of our books. They're everywhere. We don't know where they are. I don't know where my mm. readers are. None of right. us do. And that's a good thing. Well, yeah, I agree. I think that that's one of the things, one of the unintended consequences of of the publish-on-demand world is I'm sure that they entered it, that the capitalists entered it with the idea of how to make money out of all those goons out there. But what they didn't realize is that those goons are a vast reservoir of creativity, m- many of them thinking things that had never been taught before, writing yeah. things that no one yeah. had seen before. Mm-hmm. Right. But because yeah. there was no outlet through the big five publishers, right. there was exactly. no way to get right. those images out. Suddenly... The mm. guy who has a very mm. private world of anguish or angst or whatever you want to call it, or the woman who wants to write about deception and betrayal in a new and different way, now has a vehicle mm-hmm. for doing it, publish on demand. Maybe only 15 people read the book, but at least, as Marcia mm-hmm. says, it's out there. It's it's right. not being it's repressed. You know, it's being expressed, mm-hmm. and that is a real good example of the way to unleash yeah. creativity. You know, the yeah. larger the population yeah. involved in a process, the more creative individuals will emerge with their ideas. So and I think so much that's you know, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it's a really I mean, complex situation that we've yes, created. Like, po- like you're like you're you were talking about podcasts. Well, I was doing podcasts for fifteen mm-hmm. years. Before anybody even, then they'd go, what do you do? Where is this? Where do you find this podcast? You know, and it was not anything I ever intended on doing. It just happened. But, you know, and Mm -hmm. that is how you meet people and how people have helped other people develop their products and, or, you know, any, there's so much out there now that it's really, like you said, the Mm -hmm. big five, they didn't take anybody. They, you know, I was an agent and I couldn't get, I, so many good stories went passed over and it was, it's sad. Yeah. So now they can bring those it's stories out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was. It's always sad to me to, to think of all the stories that, you know, and people pass on and, and then, you know, their family yeah. finds, a, you know, a manuscript in, the, in a desk drawer yeah. or something. That's just, yeah. Right. Oh, that's right. It makes me 
sad. Very sad. Right, and it's good to yeah, start taking out and, and people right, right with screenplays. They mm-hmm. have all these screenplays stuck in their drawers because they've written screenplays, but mm-hmm. start developing developing them into a movie, into a book, which could be a movie someday. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing because all of us watch a lot yeah. of Netflix and whatever, and you know mm-hmm. Apple TV, everything, and. There's so many people looking, they could find a book and say, oh, I think I'll make this into a series or whatever. So there are so many chances out there. Which is actually next week, next week my show is with um, Amy Patricia Mead and um, Kristen Lindsay Hager. We're going to be talking about old movies. So I, oh. um, the three of us will be talking about that. And I think I'm, you know, I'm going to start doing more of those shows because I think if authors are listening out there, if you want to really learn how to do mm. great dialogue, watch old movies. Yeah. The dialogue is oh incredible. My God, yeah. mm-hmm. I agree. You know, you don't I agree. Right. There's no special effects. It's just people talking. And you can mm-hmm. get a, you can and really the learn a lot from yeah. Well, let's, yeah, let's take for a minute. Let's let's dive into a, a writer's problem right now. Exactly what is okay. dialogue? Uh, is dialogue something mm-hmm. you use to tell the story, or is dialogue something you use to expose the internal workings of a character's mind? And I think they're totally different things. Often you yeah. will hear, for example, you know, uh, dialogue used this way. Oh, sweetheart, we've been married for 25 years, you know. Well, who is that yeah. for? That's not for the yeah. characters. They both know they've been right. married for 25 years. So they're telling the story Good. to the audience, you know, and, and yet the character, if if a character said, oh, Zine, I, I just feel like I'm not human anymore, that's about the character. That's exposing or, the, or the one answer about the character. So what exactly is dialogue? Character. You know, well, I mean, how do we use it as writers? Thinking, right. Like one character could be thinking... While he's while he's well, his wife is, is thinking one thing, and the, and the husband could be thinking, "I'm ready for a divorce. I need to get out of this." She might think we're in a, she might think that we're happy. We are not happy, and I found Isn't a younger woman, and I'm happy. So that's that. That's 2023. That's what could happen. That is in that. Yeah, that that's writing right there in a nutshell. Like that's how insane what we do is. Yes. <laughs> that we take all of that on, with like for you know eight characters. <laughs> yes, because I I was wow. uh, yeah, I was tell I was take, telling Eleanor about how we met on Joanne uh, Buchanan on her show. She had a radio yeah. show and mm-hmm. she had inter inter you know intermission on her show. So then before that, Jack would be on there. I didn't know Jack at the time, and Jack would be saying, "All right, close your eyes." I'll never, and Think about what you see across the street. Don't open them. <laughs> Think about what you saw. And so I heard him talk about all these things, and I went, oh, I have to meet this man. I just don't know. I've never met anybody like him. It was so insane because it was just people, he had. He was so deep, you know. And, yeah. Jack, you know, you're very deep and intense, which is so great to learn from somebody that is deep and intense because – Jack gets everything out there eventually of what he's yeah. doing. Yeah. That's what he does with well, his work. Well, he, care, he cares. Yeah, he cares yeah. about the word. He's respectful of the word. He's, yeah. he's, uh, he's generous. 
to to everyone who yeah he really is so that's well, quite a gift. Let me let Definitely. me ask you both a question. This is something that puzzles me mm. as a writer. You know, how do you film mm. a thought? Can you film thoughts as a oh, screenwriter, Marcia? What do you have to do to film what a character's thinking? To me, well, that's, I, a lot I of writers just say, oh, well, yeah. she thought about that. You know, well, I that's think, fine I, I do, on a written you know, order, right. but how do you film and it? I did not know how, how to you... do that. Some, I, I did not know how to do that. So somebody had said to I me don't know. a couple years ago, I did not how to know how to do that. And then... Like when after I write the, whatever I'm writing, then the then I put it in italics sometime of what the person is really thinking, you know, okay. like you know, uh, right? I'm going like, well, you know, she's thinking like, right? He doesn't love me. I don't love him, or you know, I I want to get out of here, or I just am leaving, you know, or I don't want this job, or whatever you're thinking. But if you write mm-hmm. it in italics, sometimes that person is saying what they really think because sometimes, like a lot of times mm-hmm. on TV. You know, and when when I started writing, like I did my book, Gracie, it's a comedy, but she's a dog and she talks. And so people said, oh, Mm -hmm. they dogs, you know, but now I see on TV a lot of people, you know, commercials now they're using because they're talking to a dog and the dog talks back. Because as we know, anybody that has animals, they're whatever, they talk to them. That's so Disney. I thought, yes, and so Gracie, my character, she could be funny and say things that just came out of her, you know, and she could move the story forward and the and the character forward, you know, because uh-huh. she's telling the character what she thinks, you know, and the character's going, maybe maybe she knows, maybe Gracie the dog knows what she's talking about. I'll try this, you know, because and that's what how I did that. I started wow. to learn how to do that, and when I did that, like with with also in the paragraph, whatever sentence, whatever I wrote, then afterwards, because I really was, like I said, now with, with the man, he's thinking one thing, she's thinking another. Mm-hmm. I didn't do that for years, but then I think it's kind of interesting to do that, to know what they're thinking, really. Because, you know, we talk, but like somebody could be listening mm-hmm. to me right now, and they're thinking, hmm, what is she thinking? What does she know? Who is she? You know, and then I would say, <laughs> well... I am a person that has done this for 20 years. I did all these scripts. I did have a lot of rejections. I know that, and I try to help people. But somebody taking it just as it is, they go, like, who is she? She, What does she have the right to say this? That's why the shows are great, because they help writers understand and say, oh, this person, this person has that problem. And that's what you do too, Jack. You go, oh, this is how to get that out of you. So Ellie answered no. the story for that. You can answer Jack's question too. I I have no idea because we what I worked on the pages that I brought to the to the critique group yesterday. I used like thought. I used exactly that, and so I'm waiting for the answer. Well, the idea is, you see, in the written word, what you have to do is somehow pull the reader into the thinker's mind, and that's very difficult to do. But if you do it through a set of images, you can either do it through a flashback or you can have them tell something about what they're thinking. You know, in the screenplay, Marcia, mm-hmm. you index it by saying, here's what she's thinking. But yeah. in the written word, excuse me, in the novel, you're actually at a point mm-hmm. where you are you have to show what she is thinking, 
How do you do right. that? Because mm. in my mind, that's the same mm. as filming it. You know, how do you turn the thought mm. into an external action or image? And uh, you know, I, I wish you'd you know work on that a bit so you can help me pass my latest problem, which is how to do that. You know, yeah. anyway. <laughs> Well, the, the only thing yeah, I can think of is also, um, I was actually thinking about, oh, sorry to interrupt you, Marcia, um, well, about body to... body language, uh, facial features, um, to, to sort of set the mood to give the reader, is, is this a positive conversation for her or him? Yeah, I would think, I think backstory could work. But then it kind of, does that distract from the momentum of the moment? I don't know. Right. I don't know. I think the yeah, issue the even. issue is how to get the writer out of the character. To get get out of the yes. way of the character, you see. Because as long yes. as the narrator is doing the work for the reader instead of letting the yep. character do the work and give it to the reader. Well I think it's the narrative intrusion of the author that often undercuts some of the really good writing that's coming out. You know, and, and that may be just a problem of mind. But I, I see it in other places too. So, you know, well, then, uh, you know, I think what you could possibly well, do is, you know, take two of two of your characters, like or three of them, and put them like in a room together, you know, and put them at a table and see what they come up and talk about, or right. you know, something yeah. like that, or write a letter as that person, and then sometimes you find out when you write a letter as a as your character, you find out a lot. Mm. I think when a person writes a letter they disclose a lot of things that they might not necessarily say in person. How do you do that in a narrative flow, though? Okay, so you know, well, yesterday, yeah, yesterday we were working with one of Ellie's characters, and she was trying to mm-hmm. discover where her friend was, had something happened to her. And at some point she says mm-hmm. she thought, you see, and, right. and it, was yeah. just, it just seemed to me that what we needed to mm-hmm. do was was not mm-hmm. say what she was thinking because that was the author telling us what she was doing instead of showing us what right. she was doing with an action. And it's always it's yeah. a continuing problem. I just, you know, we, we, we think that we take yeah. movies for granted, but movies have rewired our brains. I mean, we expect yeah. certain mm-hmm. things. So in, in the novel, Ellie mm-hmm. can say, you know, she thought... But the screenwriter who mm-hmm. understands now that you've got to get inside mm-hmm. the viewer's head in some way has yeah. to do it with an image. Mm-hmm. And you either do a flashback or you do it, have her talk to somebody and there's nobody there to talk to. So the problem is really, right. really serious problem, you know, a writer's problem, you know, I think. Well, I think it now people, though, now, now more than ever, I think because when you're watching a movie now or when you're watching a series, uh, this happened a lot with series because mm. you, you know, you're writing, you're, it's continuing. But, and yes. so people, mm. you don't always get everything out like at the first episode. And then people go, oh, right. I don't like this. I'm going, so then you have to say to them, well, you have to, you have to go on to the second and third because they're not, this is mm-hmm. a series. It's not, you're not getting the whole, if you're going to get the whole story in one episode, then that's a movie, not a series, you know. So I think that that's a problem now because people have learned how to, they want to know more. And then some of the problems that they do now, which does become a problem, they go back and forth. So you're thinking, well, where were they? And, you know, and sometimes it's not as evident as others, you know, and they go, okay, Mm -hmm. 
oh, that's five years ago. And then they go, oh, this is 10 years ago. Okay, this is the present time. So people are now learning that in their heads where I don't think it would have worked years ago. But now because of all of these series and all of these shows on TV that are continued and, you know, then Mm. sometimes all of a sudden you'll see a, a series for five episodes. And then, well, like the bear, okay, which you saw the bear. It's a wonderful series. Oh, and, yeah. But at the mm-hmm. but at the last season, they went through everybody's psyche. Like it's like, oh my god, it was so deep and heavy. But it took all yeah. those the other series, the first se- the first session, the second. I think this is the third or the, whatever. And they went through every character, and you found out what happened to them before the backstory. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. And yeah. you then you go like, oh my God, this all makes sense. However, people didn't go. Some people didn't watch the la- the last few episodes, and that was where they could go. That's their, uh, you know, that epiphany. Like, oh my God, together. you know, mm-hmm. yes, because you yeah. saw it, Eleanor. I know, and I never. The I acting was it. incredible. So it's called the Bear, yeah, and it's her. really good. Yeah, you know, I watched Jamie it three, three times. The whole thing, the, right, and. Jamie Lee Curtis was so unbelievable as the mother mm-hmm. in this. So you can yeah. see where the whole family, like at a dinner table, so Jack, this is what I'm saying. You can see that whole family, it was everything mm-hmm. made sense. Because our lives don't mm-hmm. always make sense because a lot of people, they don't want to go back far and think about, oh, you know, you can't blame your parents for everything, but there are times you when you have to use that card and go back and say, oh, this is what my mother did. This is what my father did. And then that brings to light yeah. of why you are a certain way. It happens. Right. Well, that, that, gets, that gets us to an issue. Are, you know, is art an imitation of life? Or yeah. is art has to be an imitation of life? See, why, why are we so hung up on realism? Why are we so hung up on that? Why do we think see, that, that's the standard model of the novel? The standard model of fiction is it's got to reflect life. Well, how about a guy who thinks different ways, like Dennis Must, for example? You know, he thinks, I, I, I hate to use a cliche here, but he thinks outside the box. He thinks outside the written line, you know, and he's doing things. It looks like he's doing normal things, but suddenly he breaks you out of where you think you're going to be and he gives you something that's totally different from what you expected. In other words, he breaks the real-life wall down and says, wait a minute, this is not real life, in the same way that Brecht did. He said, I always want you to remember that you're in the theater and this is a play, right? So why are we so hung up on realism? Why do we need that reassurance that this really happened? Why does a story say, why is a story that says based on real events more believable or more dramatic or more workable than a piece that is purely fiction and made up. I need I need the yeah. an answer uh, something yeah. there because it, I think it's a well, huge I don't, problem. Right. Yeah. Well, I think you know sometimes well, that's, that's where with the writer realism comes in. Yeah. I'm sorry. Like a reader, am, I, am I? Can like, you hear me? Because I just got cut yeah, off. Yeah. You were off. I put you back on. You were off. You know, okay. So, like, thank you. But thank yes, you. what you're saying, what you're saying. But see, sometimes writers do not go as deep as you do, or Dennis must. I mean, he's going really deep. Right. right. Eleanor, you could do that. Yeah. I think Eleanor can do that. Go really deep. Well, Eleanor's yeah. doing it in the laments. 
I mean, I, yeah. you know, I don't yeah. want to give her story away, but she's she's working yeah. on some very very yeah. important issues here. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. the 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 mm. same person who's isolated from society and yet in the microcosm of society finds the same problems: theft, lust, religion, you know, all those mm. things are there. So the microcosm is reflected mm-hmm. the outer. You know, she's doing that without. I won't say without thinking, but, but she's certainly doing it with some kind of a model in mind, and and that to me is really breaking the the fourth wall down. You know, movies break the fourth wall all the time, right? I mean, mm. they sit well, at the I table think that's right. and such a Right, and I think that's what's an important thing is you know to. But a lot of writers don't let themselves go, and sometimes it takes a long time to yes. get there. Yes. And they may yeah. get yeah. there. You know, I think some people out there that the are topic. just starting, right, they, they may get there. Because once they realize that yeah. they have a voice, oh, yeah. they can move on and not try to be, you know, because I, I'll just, before we leave the show, I'll just repeat what I have repeated many times. Because everybody out there is so worried about reviews. And Jack yeah. has said years ago, and so they're writing for yeah. reviews is what they're writing yeah. for. So, yeah. Jack, yeah. what you said years ago was you're not going to write your story again. So if you get a bad right. review, just move on, you know. And yeah, that's what right. I've always yeah. thought, right, because <laughs> that makes sense. So I think yeah. that right now, yeah. because when you look at Amazon and you see these people have 200 reviews, 400 reviews, 1,000 reviews, then we all as writers go like, well, what are they doing? How did they get all these reviews? You know, and what I makes know. it so different? And so, but we can't help that. So sometimes yeah. I, yeah. I, I have found myself find something. I got to a place one time when I was looking, I found a review I didn't even know I had there uh, on one of my books. And you know, this is the problem. It's Amazon putting the numbers out, and what number are you? Mm-hmm. Are you number one? Are you 50? Are you 250,000? Are you a million? And I think that has ruined it for mm-hmm. authors. I hate that. Yeah. It's hitting everybody mm-hmm. against everybody. And if somebody writes romance or somebody writes sci-fi mm-hmm. or somebody writes horror mm-hmm. or drama, we're not the same writer. So why are we all in a mm-hmm. number game here? And that's, that's a problem. Right. I think that's well, one of the biggest problems. So if writers are out there listening today, just keep writing. So if you get a bad review, move right. on. Don't let yeah, that be the that's, end of your life. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. But I think sometimes on my, my days where, where I feel like, wow, this is I've gotten myself in a real real maze right here. I'm in, in a knotted situation, and I don't know the way out. <laughs> and I start to despair. Yeah, that's a, that's a heavy word, but you know, just t- start to doubt. I yeah. I do. I can tell you that when I look at one good review, I'm like, okay, okay, it's yeah. like a cat on. You're okay, Ellie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I you think we all keep do that, and that's probably one of the problems. That's one of the problems is that we can't help ourselves. You know, because you go like, yeah. oh my god, you know, look at this one, and this one's a bestseller, and that one's a bestseller, and this one is. It's so. My advice to people is just keep writing. And I, I, I go through that myself. And mm-hmm. I have to just talk yeah. myself and go, like, forget about it. Just write. Just sit there and write. And don't do Well, I it think that's, that's really good advice, you know. Um, it is. It's hard do. to take. Yeah. <laughs> I don't say that I take it all the time. All right. So we're, we're almost done. So, Jack, <laughs> any last words here? Jack? Well, 
uh, last words about what we've been talking about or, or my own or self-promotion <laughs> scheme? You could. You could. Okay. I'd At like the end to leave, show, I'd like to leave two email I'd like to leave two email addresses for contact with the webmaster who has helped me or who has redesigned my website that makes it more functional and more Oh, um, it's a good website. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, okay. It's it's her right. name the, the address is authorziva z i v a at gmail.com. And then I'd like to leave the email, excuse me, the contact for the website for Amanda Stubert, who is the publicist I've been working with, who's shown me a, a whole new well, way. Don't that out. Yes, and you won't be able to take a lot of people. I would like to take. Okay, go ahead. Amanda, AmandaStubert.com. <laughs> her, her, her website is AmandaStubert.com. And, and the last thing I want to say is I encourage every writer who has a written novel to turn it into an audio book and I want you to do it to turn the audio book using a very sophisticated and educated and knowledgeable sound engineer because what happened when I was doing Man Alone Marcia we had talked about you know ebooks and and audio books this sound engineer taught me in about 15 minutes how to read prose instead of reading the poetry and that was the hardest thing in the world for me to do Ooh. took about 15 minutes of practice before i learned so are how you to done read with your book that's what i was going to ask you are you done with the audio yeah yeah uh, it's finished Where now it? and and the publisher is getting ready to bring right. it out uh, but I, I just encourage writers and here's why Ellie mentioned it early in the context, in, in the in the discussion here, that you you read the word aloud, you know, and mm-hmm. we we tend as writers to be stuck just on the written word, but the written word has sound behind it, and when you do oh, an yeah. audio book, mm-hmm. you find a yeah. whole different language. Right. You know, it's like right. I, you know, I and I, all my books are audio. Yeah. I use Audible, and all my books are audio, and I've mentioned this on the show. I love audio books, and I think people would mm-hmm. – re- this is especially good for newer writers also to listen to the word. It's so yeah. different. Mm-hmm. And it's a different experience. And even yeah. I had told Ellie, I think, the story that when I had my To Life book done, and when I was <laughs> listening to it, I asked – I thought the <laughs> – the narrator added things. I'm going, wow, this sounds really good. And I had to go through my book, and it was my words. It was my yeah. words. So I think yeah. that's why go. I encourage people to use and listen to your own books also because you will see that if you were thinking, oh, who's going to listen to this or who cares about this, when you listen to it, it puts you in a different experience. Well, one, let me really add does. one more thing to that. Let me add one more thing to that. That's exactly what we do in the master class is we read, the writer reads the text, and then the, the, the people, the other writers will listen to it, will work it, will massage it, will change things, and then other, the other writers there will read the text. So the author gets a chance to hear his or her own words in the mouth of another. Exactly. And in that process, it's it's really interested in the rhythms of the words, what they're actually doing. It's not just a bunch of words, you know. 
So I think that yeah. it's an incredible and experience, so and I, I keep yeah. telling people, yeah. And I really hope yeah, people will listen to that because I love it. All right, Eleanor, what's the last words here? I was just going to say that we're we're in our heads so much, and to listen to yeah. like Dr. said about listening to our own voice, the own our own words, and then have someone else read it back is is really yeah. it's a wonderful experience. It really is, and it, it opens up so many doors and, and, and inspiration. It really does. Right, yeah. and you find out a lot about it when you listen. There's, you know, and I've made a mistake on some of my um, narrators, which I'm at now after seven years going to have them changed because it was something I just didn't know. You know, I, the accent yeah. was wrong. Mm-hmm. I, I just made a mistake, but you learn, hopefully. You know, when you're yeah. learning, knowing yeah. everything, yeah. so you have to learn. Yeah. So, all right, on that note, okay. everybody have a great day, and thank you both for coming thank in. Thank you. We'll do this well, again. thank you Thanks for having us, having Marcia. Thank it's always a, care. always a pleasure to, you. to get in this conversation. Yes. Thank yeah. you both. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye.